So as I said uh, before, my name's Tim, and I uh, get the privilege of teaching here, and we currently are in a series on Acts. Acts is the story of the early Jesus movement, and uh, we're calling the series Praxis because uh, the, the word praxis is, is about an idea, uh, a concept being embodied, enacted, um, made real. And the book of Acts is about the followers of Jesus uh, living out, putting into practice the way of Jesus. And we're, and we're studying that because we believe um, as followers of Jesus we're called to do the same thing. Uh, so this morning uh, we're going to begin our teaching in the book of Acts in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, because I like Genesis. So, um, if you want to, we're just going to look at one verse. Uh, if you want to flip to Genesis 12, you're welcome to. The, word, the, the, the verse will also be on the screen above as well. This is uh, the call uh, of, of Abraham uh, by God. Genesis 12, 1, God says to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. This scripture, this call of Abraham became um, paradigmatic um, throughout, um, Christ- throughout biblical history. Um, but, the, but, but it's interesting how God speaks to Abraham here. He says, go to the land. He doesn't say, go to this zip code. He doesn't say, go to this country, this city, this county. He doesn't say, go to these GPS coordinates. What's he say? He says, go to the land. I'll show you. Go, go to the land. I'll tell you when you get there. Go. And I'll let you know when you arrive. Go. go. Don't worry about exactly where it is. Uh, Go and I'll show you where to go. um, uh, Throughout Scripture, uh, this this idea of what does it mean to walk with God. Walking with God throughout Scripture um, often was a picture of walking with God into an uncertain future. Walking with God into the unknown. See, apparently for Abraham, walking with God didn't mean, it didn't mean getting a map to the future. It meant, go, I'll walk with you, and I will show you where to go. So this idea, throughout Scripture, we see this idea of faithfully walking with God isn't having a map to the future. Faithfully walking with God is walking faithfully into an uncertain future. Turn next, if you will, all the way right in your Bible. This is where we're going to spend some time this morning, to Acts chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 22. And uh, where we're picking up is, we're picking up in 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 the part of Acts where Paul, this leader in the early Jesus movement... Paul, he's gone throughout the Mediterranean world, throughout the Roman Empire, telling people about Jesus, telling people um, that Jesus is king of the world, uh, that he was resurrected from the dead, um, that we ought to commit our, our lives to him. He's going around the world, and he's done that for a while, and now he's coming back to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, it's around the year 56 AD, Jerusalem has become a political hotspot. It's become a boiling pot, and there's a sense amongst the Jesus followers that there could be big trouble when Paul goes back there. And so Paul says this about his trip to Jerusalem. Acts 20, verse 22. And now, he says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul, 
Paul's been raised in this, this, biblical, uh, this biblical story where over and over again, men and women are called to faithfully follow God, faithfully walk, walk with God into the unknown. And Paul says, I know, I know there is uncertainty and there is danger that could be awaiting me in Jerusalem. I simply know that this is where God has called me to go. And I will walk faithfully with him into uncertainty. We all, we all know uncertainty, don't we? We all know what it's like to walk into the unknown. I mean, that is, it is the human experience because we, we cannot see the future, all of us. And different seasons, maybe it's heightened, maybe, maybe some of our seasons are more stable, maybe some of our seasons are very uncertain, very unknown. But we all know that experience of walking into an uncertain future. Like Paul, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there. We know what that feels like. I think about the different times uh, Christy and I, we've, you know, we've moved several times um, in our married life. And I think about every, you know, moving. There's all this uncertainty, this unknown. What will, what will life bring there? I think about as a newly married couple, you know, driving our U-Haul to Denver. No jobs, no apartment, just showing up in town. What? We don't know what will happen to us there. I think about moving. Um, uh, we moved to Jerusalem a number of years ago. We didn't have an apartment when we landed. What, what's going to happen to us here? We moved to Vancouver to go to school. What's going to happen to us? Will we, what will life be like? Will she find a job? Will we find friends? A couple years ago, we moved to Bellingham. We had, we had one child and a sex. She was pregnant um, w- w- with our second. And it's like, what's going to We're moving to Bellingham. We don't know what will happen to us there. There's this, we all go through this in different ways at different times, don't we? This morning, take a second and reflect. What, where is the uncertainty in your life this morning? What is your Jerusalem this morning? What is that thing where you're, you're walking into it and you're saying, I go to and I do not know what will happen to me there. I am going to middle school and I do not know what will happen to me there. What is, it, your, what is that thing? Maybe you're new to town. Maybe you're new to Bellingham. I've just shown up in Bellingham. I do not know what will happen to me there. What is your, this thing that is happening, this, what is, what is your Jerusalem today? Maybe you've recently become a single parent. I do not know what will happen to me there. Maybe you've decided to become a foster parent. I do not know what will happen to me there. What is that thing, what is that thing in your life right now that when you start to think about it, your anxiety just creeps up and if you're if you're not careful it can just start spinning your mind around in circles what is your jerusalem i'd like to take a minute i'd like to look i want to go into the story of paul headed to jerusalem because paul knew what it was to live into an unknown future and i'd like to go i'd like to look at him heading towards Jerusalem into this uncertain, even dangerous future. I'd like to listen to it, get into the story, and see if God might speak something into our lives about the uncertainty that we face for ourselves. So we're going to pick up where we started, uh, Acts 20, 22. I'll read that over again, and then I'm going to move through um, a number of things Paul says and jump ahead to chapter 21 and read some more. So um, we're just going to read through a big chunk of his journey to Jerusalem right now. So starting again in Acts 20, 22, Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, 
not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Skipping ahead now to chapter 21, verse 3. This is their journey uh, to Jerusalem. It says, uh, After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. And just by the way, it's, it's we and our here because Luke, the author, is actually with Paul for this portion of the journey. We sought, verse 4, we sought out the disciples there in Tyre and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. I often wonder what it was like to be Philip. (laughs) After, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Okay. When, uh, when we, we read this account of Paul and his friends heading to Jerusalem, um, when, I, when we read it, I think it really breaks down. There's two major responses, two camps, two different ways of responding to the fact of the, this uncertain danger awaiting Paul. There's two responses to this. On the one hand, uh, we have the, the, the friends around Paul. We have the disciples in Tyre, Luke, and the friends. And their response to this uncertain future, their response is to say to Paul, don't go. The second camp, the second response is Paul himself. Paul himself, he's facing the same uncertain, even dangerous future, and Paul's response is, I have to go. Now what's, what's the difference, these two different responses, the same, they have the same uncertain future, they're facing the same kind of uncertain future, the same dangerous future. What is the difference between the responses? I think the difference difference is that each of them are focused on a different question. 
I think the, I think the one camp, the, the people around Paul who are telling Paul, they're saying, Paul, don't go. I believe they're focused on this question. What is going to happen? What is going to happen? And I believe Paul is focused on a different question. Paul is focused on the question, what is Jesus asking me to do? I think we have a slide with those two questions on it. But these two questions, what is going to happen? What is Jesus asking me to do? And, uh, and, and, and so for the, for the people around Paul, their prime, the question that is driving their thoughts is what is going to happen? This might happen. That might happen. What if this happens? Oh my, what if that happens? And the driving question of their lives is what is going to happen? And it's paralyzing them from encouraging Paul to take the faithful steps he's supposed to take. What is going to happen? And Paul, on the other hand, Paul isn't oblivious to what might happen. He's not naive. He's not ignoring it. But Paul is focused on a different question. Paul is focused on the question, what is Jesus asking me to do? What is faithfully walking with him look like in this time and place? Paul says, I know there's all sorts of things that might happen. But the question that is driving Paul is, what am I called to do two different questions driving them there's a book uh, that c.s lewis wrote called screw tape screw tape letters uh, we have, anybody people have read screw tape letters read the screw tape letters it's a great book uh, it's it's interesting it's a fiction it's written it's kind of hang with me if you haven't read it it's written from the perspective of a a, a junior devil trying to tempt a christian so kind of everything, when, you, when I'm going to read a quote from it, everything's kind of flipped. Um, but Lewis addresses this, and let me read this quote. Um, and remember, it's kind of from the, 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 the dark side's perspective. We want him, we want him, that is the Christian, we want him to be in maximum uncertainty. So that his mind will be filled with contradictory pictures of the future, every one of which arouses hope or fear. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. And of course, the enemy is God in this case. He, that is God, he wants men to be concerned about what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. Two driving questions. These, these, these friends around Paul, they were focused on what's going to happen, what might happen, what could happen. And Paul, he doesn't ignore that, but he's, focused, he's primarily focused on a different question. What am I called to do? What is Jesus asking me to do? We know this. Don't we, don't we know in times of uncertainty, don't we know how easy it is to just dwell and spin around what's going to happen? What if this happens? What if that happens? And just to turn over all the different possible futures. And if we dwell on that, if we focus on that, can it just wrap us up in anxiety and worry and fear? And what happens for Paul's friends who focused on that question, what is going to happen? They focused on it so much that it paralyzed them from encouraging Paul to walk faithfully with Jesus. When we focus on what is going to happen, if that is the driving question in our lives, it can paralyze us. But Paul, 
knowing this great biblical tradition, all going all the way back to Abraham, Paul understood that the faithful journey with God often includes walks into uncertainty. Often includes walking with God into the unknown. There's another book uh, that I think illustrates this uh, very well. Um, the, the book is called The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. Any Princess and Goblin fans? Anybody? Another one. Go get Princess and the Goblin and Screwtape Letters. Oh, there you go. Two great books for you next week. So, uh, Princess and the Goblin. Here is our copy at home. Um, well loved. Um, so, Princess and the Goblin, it's a, it's a fairy tale. And in it, the heroine um, is an eight-year-old princess by the name of Irene. And Princess Irene has uh, this, this fairy grandmother, um, kind of this angelic figure in her life that she often um, encounters in the attic of her home. And so one day, uh, Princess Irene is, uh, is meeting with her grandmother, and her grandmother gives her a ring with a thread attached to it, and, uh, an invisible thread. And this is, what, um, this, this is how the exchange goes. Uh, Irene says, I can't see it there, grandmother, the, the, the thread, the invisible thread. And the grandmother replies, no, the thread is too fine for you to see. You can only feel it. Now listen, grandmother continues, if ever you find yourself in any danger, you must take off your ring and put it under the pillow of your bed. Then you must lay your forefinger upon the thread and follow the thread wherever it leads you. Oh, how delightful, Irene replied. It will lead me to you, grandmother, I know. Yes, but remember, it may seem to you a very roundabout way indeed, and you must not doubt the thread. Of one thing you may be sure, that while you hold it, I hold it too. So what happens is that in the story, there are these goblins scheming against Irene. And the goblins, as they do, uh, had planned to kidnap Irene. So they break into the house where Irene lives. Irene's in her bedroom, and here's the racket out in the hall. And she thinks, oh, danger, this is what my grandmother warned me about. So she, she takes her ring off, she places it under the pillow, and then she grabs the thread and begins to follow it. Now, Irene thought that the thread would just lead her straight up through the house to the attic where her grandmother meets her. But instead, the thread led her out of the house, out onto the lawn, and towards the very mountain that the goblins lived in. And in fact, towards a cave in the mountain. And it, this is what uh, McDonald writes. He says, the path did not go past the rock, and that the thread was leading her straight up to it. A shudder ran through her from head to foot when she found that the thread was actually taking her into the hole out of which the stream ran. But she had to go in. She did not hesitate. And before she had gone many paces, she was in total darkness. Then she began to be frightened indeed. Every moment she kept feeling the thread backwards and forwards, and as she went farther and farther into the darkness of the great hollow mountain, she kept thinking more and more about her grandmother and all that she had said to her and how kind she had been and how beautiful she was. So she follows the thread, and eventually, going through these caves, she reaches a pile of rocks. The thread leads her straight into a pile of rocks. 
and she falls down. She's, we she's, she's weeping. Grandmother, how could you abandon me at these pile of rocks? And then finally she thinks, well, my grandmother would never do that. I must go through the pile of rocks. And she begins pulling the rocks out, and it's cutting her fingers up. She's crying. And then she hears a voice, because on the other side of the rocks is her friend, Curdy, the hero of the story, who had been trapped behind the rocks by the goblin. So she gets Curdy out, and together um, they begin talking about escaping. And Curdy says, We need to head, we need to head out. I know the way out. It's this way. And Irene says, No, no, no. My thread is leading us farther into the mountain. And Curdy says, Where are you going there? He cried, That's not the way out. I know that, whispered Irene. But this is the way my thread goes. And I must follow it. Irene and Curdy end up following the thread down, 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 down through the mountain. And eventually it takes them up, 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 out the other side and winds them all the way back to her grandmother. Because her grandmother held the other end of the thread. And Irene was able to trust the thread because Irene trusted her grandmother. I wonder... In the season of uncertainty, in the season of unknown that you uh, thought about at the beginning, I wonder where do you see your thread leading? Where does your thread go? How is Jesus leading you faithfully into the season you're walking into? And the thing is uh, that it's not just about it's not just about gritting our teeth and saying, I'm going to try really hard to focus on the right question. I know I can do this. Because even in this, it's grace from beginning to end. There's this interesting, when you look at the way that Luke, in the book of Acts, the way that Luke tells the journey of Paul to Jerusalem, there are these parallels that Luke draws between Paul and Jesus. Very intentionally, um, that, that um, Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, he set his face towards Jerusalem in the, in the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. And all his friends were trying to dissuade him, and so too Paul. Jesus, when he arrives in Jerusalem, crowds gather around and end up chanting at Jesus, away, away with him, the earth is not fit for him. So too Paul. Jesus had exactly five trials while in Jerusalem. And when you go through the book of Acts and count the number of trials Paul faces, it's five as well. And I believe that Luke does this, draws this parallel between Jesus and Paul, not to say that Paul's trying really hard to be like Jesus, but I believe, I believe what Luke is saying is this, that because Jesus, because Jesus walked faithfully into an uncertain future, because Jesus was able to do that, Paul was able to do that. Because Jesus followed the thread obediently, followed the thread into an uncertain future, Paul was able to do that, and we are able to do that. One of the interesting things about Christianity is it is the only religion that can talk about God as having courage. That the Son of God stepped out of heaven and became a human in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and lived a fully human life. And that includes living life one second by one second and not knowing the full and complete future. And Jesus faithfully 
walked into uncertain danger. And because Jesus followed his thread even to Jerusalem, even to the cross, that means when we follow our thread into uncertainty, when we stumble, when we fall, we know that we have grace, that he's there to pick us up. Because Jesus followed his thread into Jerusalem to the cross, we know that that we have footsteps going ahead of us. God has shown us the way. And we know that because Jesus had courage, because Jesus followed the thread faithfully into an unknown future, because he did that, Jesus, for us, for those who follow him and trust him, Jesus puts his very spirit within us to empower and encourage and to guide. This is what I'd like to do. Um, I want to give us uh, a way to respond this morning. Um, when I think about when I think about those of us in this room, I know that um, I know that there's there's folks here who are in very stable seasons that, that things are cruising along for you. And it doesn't, there, you know, you've experienced uncertainty before. You've experienced walking in the unknown. You know what that feels like. But maybe that's not the season you're, you're in right now. And that's, that's, that is a-okay. Thank goodness. It's not always intensely like that. But I also know uh, that there are some of us here uh, this morning um, who are in um, seasons of great uncertainty. Uh, where we're walking into quite, where the, the future is very foggy, and there's a lot of unknown. And I want to just offer a way to respond this morning. Uh, in a minute, the worship team's going to come back up, uh, and, and we're going to we'll continue to worship uh, through uh, a number of songs. But during that time, in the back, there's three tables, uh, and each one has a spool of invisible thread on it. No, not really. I, it's very expensive, the invisible thread. Um, <laughs> red thread on it. Uh, and I'd, and it, it, I'd invite you, uh, and a pair of scissors. And I invite you, um, if, if, this, if you feel like you are in a particularly a season where you are just, I'm going to Jerusalem, I don't, don't know what's going to happen to me there. If it would be helpful, I'd invite you to go back and cut your, yourself off a piece of thread. And tie it to a ring, tie it to your Bible, keep it in your journal. Um, but allow it to be a sign of your decision to say, I am going to, Jesus, I know there's going to be times where I'm, uh, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen is going to call to me, but Jesus, as much as I'm able, I'm going to focus on what are you asking me to do? And Jesus, I'm going to remember that you have walked this road ahead of me and you hold the other end of the thread. And so if that would be helpful to you this morning, those are in back, um, just a tangible reminder of uh, the promise he makes to you and the promise you can make to him. Let me pray for us now. Uh, Father, Son, Spirit, we, uh, we do commit our, our lives to you. We commit our stories to you. Um, Jesus, there are, there are some of us in this room um, that this has been our story in the past. We have walked through the caves. We've obediently held the thread and you've led us through. And Jesus, we say thank you this morning. 
And Jesus, there are some of us in this room um, who uh, are feeling intense pressure today as we walk into a future that seems very foggy, very cloudy. And so, Spirit, I commit, we commit our lives, our decisions, our choices to you this morning. Spirit, we, uh, we believe that you, have, uh, that you have the best in mind for us, the best in store for us. And so we again, we commit our lives to you and ask, give us grace, uh, give us strength, give us encouragement. And as we, uh, as we faithfully look to you, would you lead us home? We pray this all in the good name of Jesus. Amen.